Hello everybody and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 12, issue 574. And today we're going to talk about Radiant Silver Gun. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue are Chris Worthington. Hello. James Carter. Hello. And Mikhail Croder. <laughs> I was I was banking on that. <laughs> Somebody uh, else would have done that, I would have a backup plan. For people who have never played this game, that probably won't make a lot of sense. <laughs> for people who have for, played for this game. For people who have played it and maybe yeah. never came across the secret. <laughs> yeah. Plenty of Merry Dog chat later on. But for now, what is Radiant Silver Gun? If you didn't know, it's a vertically scrolling shoot 'em up. That's all you need to know for the absolute basics. But oh boy, there's a lot more to it than that, as you will hear. But first, let's find out where the panel came across this game, how they've played it, and the usual sort of contextual stuff. Let's start with Chris. So my my history with this is is much and at the same time not a lot. So. I was first aware of this game not through the famous developer, Treasure, but through its composer, Toshi Sakamoto. Mm. So when I played Final Fantasy Tactics, I absolutely adored the score to that game and did when I first played it. After I finished it, I wanted to look up everything that Sakamoto had done. And when I looked, one of the games that he'd done was obviously Radiant Silvergun. And I thought, what is this? What is this shooter? Uh, And I became very interested in it. But... I didn't have a Saturn. I didn't really know anyone with a Saturn, so no. I never played it. So it, in my mind, it was this mythical, I don't know, I, yeah, just this mythical game that this legend and icon in my eyes, Sakimoto, had scored. And this was the days, obviously, pre-YouTube, before you could go on and listen to these scores. And I, I, I hadn't heard it until it got a release on XBLA in 2011. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's when I first that's when I first bought it. Uh, played it for about fifteen minutes. Yeah. Had my rear handed to me, yeah. and <laughs> didn't really go back to it until I got a Saturn and I got a way of playing uh, backup games. And because I bought it on XBLA, my conscience was assuaged. I had a go. Played it for fifteen minutes. Turned it off again. Uh, and did the same thing with the Switch version. Uh, and I'm very, very glad that for this podcast, I got to spend some serious time with it. Forced and into it. Across the Switch and Saturn versions in the last, I'd say, three to four weeks, I've probably played about 15 to 20 hours of it. Mm. So I feel like finally, after all these years, I've delighted in the Sakamoto score and actually, actually played this game. Nice. Good stuff. James, what about yourself? I've seen you on my Xbox dashboard hammering <laughs> hammering this in the last few days or weeks. Uh, yeah, last few days, really. Uh, started it a, a week ago um, today. Um, so, yeah, uh, as, as listeners may well know, as I've been on previous uh, shmup genre recordings for, for Kane Rinse, um, I, much like with fighting games, I have a lot of fondness for um, shoot-em-ups. Um, Mainly, I have to say, in terms of like serious shmups, uh, Cave would be more of my go-to, um, and uh, this was alongside Ikaruga, a game that I'd heard a lot about in terms of kind of uh, whispered reverence, I guess, more than actual details of what the game is or what about it. You know, I think Ikaruga, it's fairly well known the mechanic in that game, 
Radiant yep. Silver Gun. Honestly, I'd never heard what the equivalent sort of similar mechanic uh, in in this game was. It's harder but to put I, in a nutshell, really, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Is is very easy to relay in very black and white. <laughs> <laughs> One might say. Um, uh, but yeah, this this had been on my kind of. I really should get to this at some point, just in terms of uh, just expanding my my kind of uh, knowledge of the of the genre. Um, as with fighting games and as with other shmups, very much not something that I am particularly skilled at, and that's not me, you know, saying that I couldn't be. It's just one of those that it kind of feels like all of my gaming time would have to go into getting good at games like these in order to get to the level where I would actually consider myself uh, half decent. So yeah, um, so yeah, uh, I knowing that with with cave shmups generally you're looking at about an hour for a playthrough often infinite credits at your disposal not the way you want to end up playing the game but certainly the way you can start playing the game i uh a week ago well no a, a few weeks ago uh, obviously knowing this was coming up double checked how long to beat okay three hours single playthrough <laughs> great 12 hours main plus uh plus extras that mm-hmm. sounds good you know that kind of like three hours definitely on the long side versus kind of 45 minutes or an hour for for a lot of other shmups but i kind of figured okay but with those, after a dozen hours being put in, I kind of feel like even if I'm not good at the game, I understand the mechanics and how I should be playing the game and have a good grasp enough to have been on previous Kane Rin shows. Um, and yeah, in, in this case, wow, did I and how long to be underestimate what it actually <laughs> takes to, to complete this game. Yeah, if it's even feasible uh, in that it sets quite a challenge that yeah, yeah maybe maybe is, i mean there actually there there are ways which we'll get into yeah. even if even if uh, one doesn't possess the necess- necessary fine motor skills hand eye coordination and all that stuff there are, the the game allows you to finish it in the end yeah. but uh but actually yeah it's like a, it's a it's it's a one and a one hour game to complete if you already know how to play it inside out and back to front and you have the reflexes and uh, hand-eye and, coordination of a cheetah yeah. or something. Mikhail. Yes. Uh, Radiant Silver Gun um, kind of passed me by, I guess, for a relatively long time until maybe Ikaruga uh, was released on the GameCube mm. and uh, the reviews that I was re- uh, reading uh, were referring to Radiant Silver Gun. Mm. And... Uh, yeah, I guess, you know, through sort of the uh, osmosis of uh, gaming media consumption, I've learned more about the game as the years uh, passed. And uh, yeah, this, like um, like Chris was saying, it had this sort of uh, mythical status attached to it, uh, which was uh, only helped, of course, by it, its relative uh, limited availability. Mm, uh, you know, the, the, the notorious uh, price that it goes for on the Sega Saturn and uh, yeah, it being not an all too common game. Um, so by the time that it was uh, announced for Xbox Live Arcade, I was uh, sitting ready with my Microsoft points. And uh, I remember also I was working at uh, Nintendo of Europe at that time, and I was sort of evangelizing the arrival of the uh, legendary Radiant Silver Gun to a lot of my colleagues. And I told them, you know, you're crazy if you the, the ones that had a 360. I t- was telling them, you're crazy if you're not grabbing this because, uh, you know, this is quite a, a rare treat that such a legendary game is, uh, is being released on the surface. And yeah, f- quite a few of my colleagues uh, bought it as well. 
and uh, we were all kind of impressed when when playing it. The whole system with uh, you having pretty much seven weapons at your fingertips ready mm. to use at yeah. all times uh, and, and everything was just something really special which also we were playing a, a lot of fighting games at the time and it's sort of there's sort of button combination presses and everything it really appealed also sort of to uh, our fighting game sensibilities you know like in making these combinations and all that uh so yeah i played it for a while on the 360 uh but i after a while i kind of bounced off of the game because i felt wow this is this game runs as you already pointed out a little bit almost exactly like clockwork like uh, almost everything happens at exactly the same time uh and uh you've got these uh six weapons or seven weapons that are very uh all very utility based for the most part so they're very uh, i was already seeing like oh it has very strict uh every weapon has sort of a, a very strict use meant for certain occasions and then there's the whole chaining system and i felt like wow this game is even more of a memorizer than our type is you yeah. know you have to you it's it's almost like you have to learn this whole whole routine and this and 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 solve a puzzle rather mm-hmm. than you're kind of like you know like J- james was saying about cave shooters where you can freewheel a lot more you can freestyle a lot more and you can uh, kind of uh you know play a little bit more reactionary of course memorizing helps in every shoot 'em up yeah because it just helps to prepare you for what's next you know, so that you don't get uh uh you know and helps you to develop your tactics for uh for each game over time but i felt it was a little bit extreme in radiant silver gun so it felt like every time I wanted to fire up the game, it felt like a bit of a chore almost that I had to go through, you know, like like rather than just uh, having a, a bit of carefree fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'll, tr- I'll try to keep, keep it short, but um, I did feel like, you know, I did respect the game a lot and I thought it was pretty special and uh, I always felt like since I'm building a, a bit of a Saturn collection like you know if I ever come across the game it kind of feels like and it started feeling over time more and more because at, at first I thought like oh, I have it on the 360 what why do I need a Saturn copy for now you know but uh, over time uh, more and more I started feeling like you know if I looked at the other uh, yeah sort of monumental shooting games that i have on the on the uh saturn it felt started feeling like a hole in the collection so then uh, to my surprise i found out uh, we were going to cover the game this year and i had already sort of i had these plans of uh spending a little bit more money on a game than is uh you know usual uh and uh yeah i got myself a copy of the game and i was planning actually to play it more on the 360 for this uh for this podcast but i ended up you know, after playing it a bit on the 360, I ended up, um, yeah, sticking to the Saturn version mostly. Um, you know, if you don't have access to the Saturn version in in the conditions that I'm playing it under, and uh, you know, you're you're you you just have the, the 360 version. It's it's a it's a great port. It's a fantastic port. Or actually. switch, uh, or switch nowadays. Uh, but if you have the, both games side by side. I couldn't help but feel like it looks and plays just a little bit better on the Saturn. Yeah, know? I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, with a, of course on a on a Bang and Olufsen CRT, so that really helps the uh, the image as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, we're talking about one or two frames of uh, of of input like difference, so it's not huge. But once you get it into your head, it's kind of hard to escape. 
<laughs> like uh, you feel like if you feel like the game is just that little bit more responsive on the uh, let's say the original hardware. Mm. Well, I was there in the original hardware um, back in '98. Yeah. This I'm game. very interested to hear about this because mm. how would you find out about it for the first time? I think uh, it was reviewed in CMVG. I can't remember which order I saw things because this is 25 years ago. Was it reviewed in in, in like a pullout uh, uh, section of the of the magazine or or just on a very yeah no we talked about this on video since there was. A large pullout section in the issue that CVG reviewed it uh, in, but then and then they gave uh, Radiant Silver Gun only half a page or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it was just a magazine. It was a half page review in CVG, but there was also and it was a high five. Uh, I already knew Treasure because I'd enjoyed Gunstar Heroes and some of their other Mega Drive games. This was their tenth game, uh, and I was already a fan of the developer. Uh, I liked the genre. I'd been into both vertical and horizontal shoot 'em ups since I was a little kid at the arcades. Uh, and so, yeah, it ticked a lot of boxes. The only issue was, of course, that it was absolutely import only. And uh, and I, now I can't remember exactly which order, again, which order things happened. Um, but I remember seeing, uh, there was a Sega Saturn, official Sega Saturn magazine review, which was Richard Ledbetter, now mm. Digital Foundries magazine which was, I think, 95%. And again, can't remember the order in which things happened, but it was around this time that the combination of this game plus X-Men versus Street Fighter, Metal Slug, various other games that were coming out for Saturn in Japan, particularly 2D stuff, although Radiant Silver Gun, while it plays 2D, is obviously a polygon-driven game for the most part. Uh, I got my Saturn import enabled, uh, I've still got the same machine sitting behind me, sent it off to London to get it uh, switched to multi-region and 60 hertz, got it back. And then, uh, and, and I, yeah, I um, I remember getting a few games with the modified Saturn. And I think, I think the first ones I got were X-Men versus Street Fighter and one or two other things. But not long after, uh, I went up to London to CEX Rathbone Place as it was then. Uh, the sort of mecca of import gaming for certainly at least uh, the southeast of England. And uh, and I can't remember. I think I saved some money, scrimped some money, borrowed some money, didn't have credit cards or anything in these days. I was 26 years old, wasn't earning a huge amount of money, but uh, went to CEX and bought, yeah, like a, a big pile of expensive import <laughs> games for my Saturn um and yeah i can't remember exactly what it was but i think king of fighters 97 metal slug one or two other things and radiant silver gun um it was the first thing that uh my girlfriend who i was with at the time spotted on the shelf she knew it was one of the ones i wanted and she grabbed it and i grabbed it and uh didn't let it go back on the shelf and clutched it as i went around the rest of the shop kind of spending you know a good three quarters of an hour trying to decide what to spend this money on and of course you know i probably spent in total like 250 quid or something and yeah equivalent wise that's about yeah half a grand now so it wasn't it wasn't uh an in 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 uh, inconsiderable amount of of cash for me to spend well so they were 60 70 pound each or so leon were they well this one um i think 50 to 60 Okay. Uh, Radiant Silver Gun. I'm try. I was trying to remember the because I did have the sticker on it for a while, but I'm one of those people that always takes the yeah, price stickers too, off. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, but I, I've got a memory. It was either 50 or 60 or 55. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, around, it was around that. And, um, and that was, yeah, it was a decent amount of money to spend on a single game. Obviously, I was sure. used to spending the odd 50 quid on a cartridge, but, uh, and even going back earlier than this, but actually at this point, generally, Games were yeah forty to forty five yeah. on P at PlayStation and whatever so yeah it did feel expensive yeah. but it also felt incredibly exciting and I remember yeah coming back on the train and flicking through the manuals and all that kind of cool stuff uh, and yeah I played it on Saturn for well years uh, I, I had it in my collection for I guess more than a decade um, and there were periods where I was playing it more intensively than others. The Saturn being the Saturn, although I did have a backup cartridge, I think my original save was on the battery, battery-backed yeah. internal memory, which died at some point, so I lost all my progress. Um, and all I remember is one time finishing the story, like saying, I'm going to finish the story mode and getting to, to it and, yeah, using a lot of credits and lives. Um, and then, yeah, at some point I sold it. Uh, I think I only sold it, though, when I knew it was either i either i knew it was coming to xbox live arcade or i already had the xbox live arcade version and i was happy that it was uh it was a sufficient replacement uh and then sold the the saturn disc for a profit uh yeah a healthy profit <laughs> um so yeah i've had the had the xbla version for 12 years or however long it's been out and um i'd only really dabbled with it in in the meantime but um in the last yeah couple of weeks i've played it for about 20 hours i think something like that mm. um yeah like 50 goes of each mode or something like that um and yeah i've cleared while i've cleared the arcade mode and maxed out the weapons in story mode i still haven't managed to repeat that story mode clear um because it really is quite a an epic <laughs> encounter as i say treasure made it made this game uh and yeah this was their 10th before uh before they made uh things like uh Bangayo and Sin and Punishment on the N64 and then Ikaruga on the Dreamcast GameCube they'd obviously made some uh, 16-bit games Gunstar Heroes was their first having broken away from within Konami and uh, this game actually was originally set for development according to Moby Games at the Japanese branch of Time Warner Interactive However, that closed down Time Warner Interactive in Japan uh, and uh, therefore director Hiroshi Iuchi returned to Treasure where development was restarted. So it could have not been a Treasure game, but it was. This was really Treasure's first out and out shooting game. Uh, obviously, they made run and gun games and other action games, but um, I just thought it was interesting because the previous year Square made their first ever out and out shooting game, which was Einhander. Um, and I associate those these two games quite closely, even though they they scroll in the different directions and and whatever. But um, they share a look, they share a kind of vibe. I think, yeah, yeah. polygon two D shooters of the era. They've got a certain chunkiness to them. Yeah, Sega published the arcade version, then the company ESP published the Saturn version. Microsoft published it for the Xbox three hundred and sixty themselves, and a company called Livewire published the Switch Switch version. It was released to the arcades in Japan, 28th of May, 1998, just over a quarter of a century ago, and arrived on the Saturn in July, 
that of that year then the next release the next official release after many of those copies that had been printed for the saturn had probably changed hands dozens of times it was uh, released worldwide on the xbox 360 14th of september 2011 still on the marketplace and fully backwards compatible with last gen and current gen as well which is nice development of the game lasted two and a half years to get it to, onto the xbox which uh, i mean it makes sense everyone knows that the the saturn was notoriously difficult to emulate so they just re they didn't even bother yeah. attempting it they recoded it from scratch um so yeah development lasted two and a half years treasure stated that bringing radiant silver gun 2360 was more difficult than anticipated there were difficulties recreating some of the backgrounds and the Saturn's special effects. The port features online and offline co cooperative play. I did try to find an online game earlier. Unsurprisingly, there was no one about. Uh, online leaderboards, downloadable replays, which I think is a fantastic feature. Options to play with updated graphics. Actually, there's a few graphics options. Um, you can have it in the original Saturn resolution or there a similar look um, and there's also an additional option to play with a slightly revised scoring system which is called Ikaruga mode but doesn't really relate to Ikaruga in that meaningful a way in my opinion um, a few details are missing though even in the conversion you you gain some things you lose a couple of things as well as those a uh, couple of frames of input lag the option to enable the visible hitbox is gone oddly and the screen and this is my saddest one the screen that kept track of individual stats although there is a stat screen the saturn had its own little stat screen which also had a little kennel where the hidden dogs that you'd unlocked would bimble about on the screen <laughs> and that was my favorite thing according to hardcore gaming 101 uh that's what's missing yeah i don't know why they changed that but um but there we have it not a not a massive loss really but uh, but anyway and the most recent release, so it took another 11 years before it arrived on the Switch. It's the, it's a port of the 360 version, as you'd expect. So the reviews at the time for the Saturn version, at least, were largely stellar. CMVG 5 out of 5. Arcade Magazine, remember that? Also got yeah. a 5. Edge gave it an 8. That's another one of the reviews I saw, the Edge 8. GameSpot gave it a 9. And the Japanese Sega Saturn magazine gave it a mere eight, whereas in the UK, as I say, it got 95%. When it was re-released on Xbox 360, 25 reviewers gave it an average of 86% in 2011. And then when it came back out on Switch 11 years later, four reviewers gave it an average of 86% on Switch. In terms of user reviews, the Xbox 360 version has 8.3%. The Xbox Store version has 3.7 out of 5. So that's a relatively modest 7.4, I guess, uh, out of 10. And Nintendo Life's punters have it at 8.2. Uh, scenario and story. This game definitely has one. In the original arcade game, it's, as you'd expect, told with sort of still screens and vignettes and things. But the home versions have... Uh, Fairly extensive anime cutscenes by Yumeta Co. I will issue a spoiler warning for the story. Uh, it's set in the year 2520. Uh, a giant crystal is unearthed and an ancient robot bearing the same serial number as another robot called Creator, which is on the Tetra spaceship orbiting around the Earth. The crystal, 
The stone-like, as it's known, creates a massive explosion engulfing the Earth in a, in a large explosion, killing all humans except for the remaining four on the Tetra spaceship. One year later, exhausted of supplies, they return to Earth in fighter jets known as Silver Guns, fighting through hordes of enemies until they reach the crystal, which is referred to as the Stone-like. After battling the Stone-like and failing to destroy it, it brings the last two remaining pilots 100,000 years into the past and tells them that it is the guardian of the Earth and destroyed humans in order to protect the planet before destroying the last two humans in another explosion. Twenty years later, still in the distant past, the creator uses DNA from the pilots of the Silver Guns to create clones and start humanity anew before the creator finally breaks down for good, bringing the story into a loop, according to Wikipedia. So I remember <laughs> I had this anime cutscene, and of course I had no translation, as uh, as you will see if you play the the Saturn version, original Saturn version. This was just after the point that my friend Simon, who's currently over here for a year in, in the UK, had moved to Japan and uh, and, and met his uh, his first wife, Norie, and uh, she came over to visit. Well, they, they came over to visit and uh, she very kindly sat and uh, translated the anime for me <laughs> as, as it played. How uh, long did it take you, Leon? How long had they been in the country before you sat down in front of your Saturn? Was it the, kind of the first minutes. thing that... Well, yeah, welcome yeah, to the UK. Yeah. Now, just do sit you, here for a second. Do you want a cup of, do you want a cup of British, <laughs> British rail tea? Can you translate this video game for me? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I, uh, she helped me have a vague understanding, but... Um, but I, I don't think I quite fully got to grips with the whole of the story. Uh, but yeah, what what did, what did this say to anyone? Does it does it matter? Uh, I mean, it's it, it plays quite in the story mode in particular. It, it's uh, I mean, I wouldn't say intrusive, but it's it's like it's it's very yeah. much front and center. Yeah, you can of course skip a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah. Pressing start, yes. uh, you know, which becomes imperative on all these repeat uh, playthroughs. Yeah, uh, all these repeat runs. Um, but yeah, it does. I think it does matter for me. Uh, mm. It it lends uh, the game its uh, sol solemnity and its gravita uh, coupled with the music and the and the visuals and sort of the uh, cinematic presentation and camera angles and transitions between stages and and everything. It uh, it, it yeah, it gives the game uh, this this urgency that you need to be spurred on. You know, like uh, yeah, it, it's it's a very yeah, it definitely it definitely helps you to um, yeah be become invigorated and uh, and try harder. Yeah, I think for me, it, like it definitely adds something to to the game for sure. I mean, I'm I'm not here for the story at all, uh, and yeah, I don't I don't really feel like it has any emotional weight or anything. But it frames the action nicely and at least gives you impetus to at least just see what the next piece of dialogue is at the start of the next section. And that is, it's just something which drive an extra thing to drive you on. And I think if it didn't have it, and I think you can see this in the arcade mode versus the story mode, I think the story mode just gives you that extra impetus to, to, mm. to go on. Whereas arcade mode, you know, unless you're playing for scores, really, you know, you're just kind of credit feeding. You know, as a, as a short thing, it's also really interesting how, the uh, strange numerical order of the stage names mm. Uh, mm. don't really make a lot of sense, as you say, when you're playing nope. through. No. If you no. don't know Japanese and you're you're playing through the story mode, uh, but then of course you know I've watched some 
full playthroughs of the story mode uh, on the uh, translated XBLA version. Yeah. And uh, yeah, okay. Now I understand why after stage three, I'm in uh, stage two all of a sudden. Yeah. And now I understand why, uh, you know, these characters are back that were supposed to be gone uh, in the explosion in the opening cutscene and, and all that. I think all this stuff just added to the game's kind of yeah. fascination back in 98 for me. Like, why? Yeah. What What is going on? Why is it all yeah. so confusing? Um and and the, and the fact that the presentation was you know relatively so lush as well in terms of an, an extravagant the whole thing it just felt it felt like a even though i you know i suppose it was made by a relatively small team compared to a lot of games at the time but it felt like a a premium product made with a lot of love and care i would say yeah, you know, time is interesting because yeah, late 90s, a lot of us would have just had our first real exposure to Japanese storytelling in yeah. maybe it was Final Fantasy VII, maybe even it was, it might have been something like Xenogears. But, or buying uh, or buying videotapes from yeah, the uh, manga label. Yeah, you know? I mean, it could have been. I mean, obviously, people have been watching anime and manga for, and reading manga for, for a lot longer than a lot longer than that. But for, for a lot of us, I know for me particularly, you know, I, my first experience of, of Japanese storytelling really was Final Fantasy VII. And off the back of that, then I just wanted to consume mm. everything that was Japanese narrative. So if I'd have played this in 1997 or 1998, I would have been all over this story. I would have loved it. You know, I would have thought it was a masterpiece. So, yeah, the characters are designed by Han, as he was known or credited. Uh, Tetsuhiko Kikuchi also created the character art for Gunstar Heroes and Guardian Heroes. Quite recognisable mm. style, even though it's obviously yeah. fits within traditional anime sort of uh, style it has his own signature to it for sure i also thought it was worth mentioning that this is uh almost a a, a trope which is the time traveling or time looping shoot 'em up game um including gradius 5 which obviously treasure would go on to co-develop and cine mora which we covered a while back as well yeah there's probably more one final thing also on the storytelling mm. in the game is uh, that at, at the beginning of each uh, proper stage, you know, the stages are divided up in so many parts and some mm -hmm. of them uh, go on for quite long. Oh, yeah. But at the beginning of each proper numbered stage, uh, the Captain Tengai sort of delivers this uh, narration over mm. uh, over the what, what you see on screen, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I found particularly uh, charming and atmospheric as well. Mm. Yeah, I think some of the more recent Raiden games have done similar sort of yeah. stuff which which may well have been influenced by this. I think this is also a good time to mention the perhaps legendary English or or Japlish <laughs> uh that the companies the 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 arrival of each boss as well as the uh, amazing warning no refuge klaxons that ring um and this being a treasure game is uh is boss heavy. We'll talk more about all of those. Um but there's a little three point kind of almost like a it's almost like oblique clues i think they're supposed to be yeah. but they're so some of them have really weird little bits in there like uh, yeah. like bits of script yeah. for example or like uh, like like scripting or coding in there as well uh, and and yes and the, perhaps the most meme worthy aspect of the entire product which is the b attitude for games <laughs> which and, and you know exactly what that means oh, yeah. like it makes yeah. it, but yeah. but it's just so beautifully put it's it it couldn't possibly be anything else and it's almost a shame that that sort of uh, as as much as we all craved better localization um, that wasn't even a piece of localization because it was just there in the Japanese version in, mm. in the English language. And 
thankfully they didn't change any of it for the for the re-releases on Xbox and Switch. Although I did think there was maybe one where they'd slightly altered it to make slightly more sense. I can't remember which one it was. Just added a word, a conjunctive word to to make it read slightly better. But it would have been a tragedy if they'd retranslated Beatitude for Gains into, yeah. you know, be brave and you will win or something boring like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's really fascinating because that language was never meant for an international audience, of course. Exactly. You know, that was no, never absolutely. the target audience. So what what's the reasoning behind uh you know including such a bit of broken english is pretty much for hey this sounds pretty damn cool yeah. doesn't it guys yeah <laughs> love it yeah and uh yeah like you said you know immediately what uh what the intention behind it is it wouldn't be the same without it i don't think uh tom fum from our forum says the story's fantastic and i got a real sense of loss at the end of it yeah it's crazy you know going through spoilers that like you'd beat the final boss in the end and it's all useless because it's it's exploding and it's taking the two main characters with with it. Mm. Yeah, you're not even allowed to shoot for the last minute of the game. Yeah, yeah, just exactly. You just have to dodge the uh, sixty, uh, survive the sixty seconds. Yeah, yeah, it's odd, oddly bleak. Yeah. Um, yes, I didn't mention earlier that um, this was on the STV board, uh, which is essentially the arcade tech, in the same way as. There was the what was it the System Eleven that was PlayStation like board the Namco one yeah. uh, and the STV was very very close to the to the Saturn um, a few other games on it like um, Die Hard the Arcade is that one Dynamite Decker yeah uh, Athlete Kings Decker. quite a number yeah Cotton yeah. Cotton Two was on there as well uh, Sukio Gorentai, uh, mm. which uses a lot of Similar graphical tricks to Radiant yeah. Silver Gun, where it combines polygons and 2D sprites. Well, that brings us perfectly onto the visuals of the game. Tom Fum again says the graphics are so good, it made the Saturn sing. So uh, the thing about it is that I think if you look at it for the first time now, and maybe if you're used to contemporary graphics, and maybe even if you're used to playing the default visual tweaks on the current versions that if you look back at the original Saturn models they look pretty chunky and pixely but I actually recall them looking quite like that even at the time yeah. um, the Saturn had a certain uh, it, we it wasn't a polygon pushing powerhouse in the same way that the PlayStation was and he as we know even a lot of those PS1 games now look incredibly kind of chunky yeah. and blocky um, but with what limited polygon budget they had here and texture budget, obviously the, the key thing was that the game runs at uh, a never shaken 60 frames a second. Um, you've got all these whirling and spinning ships that can arc around the screen and come to the front of the screen and disappear to the back. That It does allow, as, as, as chunky as those polygons look, without them it wouldn't be nearly so easy to do some of the spectacular stuff no. that is on display here. And they use a lot of tricks with 2D and 3D here, actually. Yeah. Uh, this game is far from uh, a full-on polygon game. Yeah. Like, every, only the, like, let's say the larger structures or the larger boss enemies are actually fully polygon. There's a yeah. lot of uh, sprite-based uh, Yeah. Uh, it's a real hype. And, and uh, even, like, backgrounds and, uh, and, and foreground elements in there. Uh, 
Um, for example, one really cool trick that they do is like in a little cinematic spin the camera around cutscenes of the, the silver gun ships, mm. they're using polygons for mm. them. But then once the action drops to top down, they sort of fly into focus or fly into the, the screen. And now you're actually controlling sprites on the screen. They're no longer polygon ships. And they, they do that in a very seamless way to where you're not even, unless you really start paying attention, you're not even realizing it that they basically swap out yeah, yeah. like assets uh, in that sense. I can imagine that's the sort of thing that makes porting without proper emulation quite difficult because that feels like something you have to line up almost by hand to get that transition to work. And then you, you port the technology and suddenly none of it matches anymore because it's slightly stretched or swi- slightly squished or slightly timed incorrectly just seems like a nightmare to get those sort of almost bespoke animations that have been hand stitched together to work again on different systems yeah and the saturn famously has uh, two gpus that handle different tasks at the same time Mm. when uh, when used properly Mm. uh which is where they for example if you would uh basically disable one of the two gpus you would see a lot of things but you won't see the backgrounds Mm. anymore for example certain background layers which which would be displayed by one of the two GPUs. Unless you're playing one of those games which didn't even bother using the second one, in which case yeah. and they're all running on, on the one yeah, GPU. Yeah, exactly. But in a game like Radiant Silvergun, yeah. they have both these GPUs working in tandem and Absolutely. swapping and, and loading, loading in assets and, and handling assets at the same time. Which, so as I understand together. it, was exactly what made the Saturn so very difficult to emulate yeah. for yeah. so many years. Yeah, and then, yeah, the whole backgrounds uh, have these sort of sci-fi anime uh, looks to mm. them with uh, certain hues and glows over yeah. o- over textures and uh, these these uh, really cool like transparent clouds, which which Saturn wasn't uh, on paper, not yeah. even, wouldn't be able to do. It's got so fake a lot color of transparencies on. in it, which yeah. a few a few games did have which essentially they had to kind of program it in software as opposed to letting the hardware do it like it could on PlayStation. Yeah. Yeah. I I still find some of the some of the swooping in and out of the the layers genuinely thrilling. Like I mm. I, I yeah. think it looks pretty amazing for the time. And I think cool. it's generally still a really pleasing game to well, I I find it still a really pleasing game to look at. I actually prefer the look of it to the look of Ikaruga. Right. The 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 general overall look, mm. I think. There's parts of Ikaruga, I think, which are more interesting to look at in terms of what's going on on screen. Mm. But I think that's probably more of an individual stylistic preference. Yeah. But I think the I think the overall look of Radiant Silvergun, it feels like, and this is a general statement, but it, it feels like a lot of modern shooters are trying to capture that that kind of visual look of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen many that have achieved it. James, you came to this one much more recently. So what do you? How, how, how does it work for you, or doesn't it? It's definitely a weird one, because when I think of shmops, particularly bullet hell shmops, I go straight to Cave, and games that, whether I've played them on my phone, whether I've played them on 360, you know, gorgeous is how I would describe those. Gorgeous is not how mm. I would describe this. Technically impressive yeah. is, actually. I think that still does come across. There's stuff like mm. uh, stage two where you've got, for some, I can't remember exactly which sub-stage it is, but you've got like a blue, um, 
almost circuit board slash glass look to it, and it's it's warping yeah, it's towards like augmented you. reality. Yeah, it's really got this really cool distortion effect going across it and waving across it that even like in those moments where you're not like focused, hyper focused on enemies and bullets that you need to be dodging and stuff. Um, you take that in, and it really is impressive what's going on in the in the background in this game, the backgrounds of this game, uh, and there's stuff like, again, I think it's um, stage two where you're it, it's it's meant to look, I think, like you're you're flying over water, and then you kind of pan up and see a cityscape in the background. Obviously, that two D three D transition doesn't quite work as it would, but it absolutely mm. takes me back to that era of gaming where they just kind of did enough to suggest what was happening with the tech they had available at the time, and your brain just goes, yep, I know what that is. I understand that. And yeah, it's more dynamic than it would have been if it was just pure 2D um, work going on. So yeah, I think impressive is how I would describe this rather than necessarily pleasing to me. Yeah, which is not too bad for 25 years old, I guess. For sure, yeah. Uh, Tom also says uh, the music is also a high point and a regular listen for me as I now have the 12-inch from Data Discs. Very cool. Uh, I love this soundtrack. Um, one of one of the things about it for, the, for me that elevates it beyond um, perhaps some of the frustrations of the gameplay or the frustrations with my own <laughs> lack of skill, the gameplay, but the as well as those cutscenes and the, the, the sense of uh, threat and peril that the narrative brings, the... The music is just so driving, pulse pounding. The I love those booming kettle drums and those harp flourishes and um, the the theme which kind of resonates throughout the game. The uh, the 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 light motif, I suppose, that keeps coming back is just a real earworm. And yeah, even though I've been absolutely yeah hammering this game for the last couple of weeks, there were a couple of points where I was thinking, you know, oh, I could. Um, you know, get some podcasts listened to or whatever while I'm playing this, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Yeah, I did one one time, but it's uh, it took me out of the whole uh, whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, it really works well in tandem with everything that's going on on screen. Yeah, uh, it it's not one of my. I love Sakamoto, as I said mm. earlier, and I listen to a lot of his soundtracks, Vagrant Story, Final Fantasy Tactics, when I'm sitting at home working. This is not one that works for me like that. No. It doesn't work as well as those outside of the game. It's but a bit in urgent terms of that, sort of <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's just it just feels like it needs everything else. But in tandem with the visuals, I think it, yeah, it's wonderful. And you although you play it, you know, we've we've all we've all put some considerable time into this over the past couple of weeks. It's it's all it's never one that ever feels like it gets old. There's always something new to listen to. It seems yeah. Yeah. every time you get to a it's certain really, stage of the game. Corey, even though your path through the game can vary in pace because of how quickly you're killing bosses and whatever, it still feels like it's choreographed and it it does yeah. it does change yeah. depending on which sequence you're in. But sometimes, like the big fanfare will kick in just as you're about to take on the next yes. screen filling boss, and it's uh, it yeah. works every time. Or you get this yeah, sort of like uh, you get this sort of build up in front of right before a, a huge boss uh, arrives. You know, like the the music is swelling, mm. and yeah, that's coincidental because you can also pause the game and the music will continue to play. So yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely not choreographed, no. but it often feels that way. Yeah, there even there's even a point where the uh, 
the enemy attacks seemed to be kind of um what's that word quantized with with the music it was so yeah. it clicked into place so nicely yeah it's it's odd but i think the fact that it it isn't absolutely uh it 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 does it can vary depending on yeah whether you've paused the game or how long you've taken over a certain boss or whatever i actually think that keeps it fresh so it's not always the exact same cues at the exact same moments like a lot yeah, of games yeah yeah it it really sells you on the stakes of uh, of the game and the story like you know the, the whole of humanity has been wiped out you're the, the last surviving humans running low on supplies returning back to the surface of the planet to to see if you can farage something and and really the 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 main cast of characters has no real clear idea of of what happened and what's what's yeah. going on you know so like they're in over their heads pretty much one thing i really like about it and i i, I don't know if it was just because the, the the team at treasure liked it so much but it by default it's the soundtrack is so high in the mix compared to a lot of games like it's really yeah. like it it's absolutely overt in the same way that um George Lucas would use John Williams music yeah. it's not it's not background music it's at the forefront and and the audio design I, I love all the shooting noises the explosions they're all really crunchy and crisp and the game uses audio cues to warn you of attacks and things like that and there's little you know noises of mechanized mechanized features of the levels and and that stuff is all really great as well never get bored yeah. of the the crunch 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 of enemies being popped by the homing laser but the fact yeah. that the it's as i say you can change this certainly in the I, I don't know if you could on the saturn version but on the xbox you can certainly change the audio levels but yeah you can on the saturn okay. yeah but i but i wouldn't because again it feels it feels right to me that the yeah the soundtrack is yeah it's so so uh, bombastic it 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 needs to be it needs to be heard demands to be heard <laughs> james do you do i know you say you're somebody who doesn't uh necessarily always click engage too heavily with the music but with this being so loud in the mm. mix and front and center did it did it make any impression on you uh, yeah no absolutely yeah i mean it, so just quickly the audio design the siren when a boss is coming on is going to stick with me if i yeah. ever hear that outside <laughs> of this game i'm going to suddenly like my butt's <laughs> just going to clench like yeah. nobody's business um the attitude for games james quick uh dive for shelter yeah so um uh, but no, generally, in in terms of the music, I think this game would feel s much, much slower if it wasn't for the music. It's yes. not, certainly in the stretches I played, it's not as frantically bullet hell as many, many games I've played. And actually, mm. oftentimes, especially once you know, like, stage three, for example... Between bosses, it's like, oh, this is this group of enemies. Am I going to bother chaining or am I just clearing the screen? <laughs> you know, it, yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's quite pedestrian in some stretches. Obviously, there's yeah. the difficult sections and you need to have a plan for certain stuff. But that music, as you've all said, the urgency it gives actually makes it feel like a faster game than I think it possibly is if I turn that music mm. off. Um, mm. I, I think that's... I, I, I don't think I would... Because I think probably you need that to keep yourself, keep your attention honed on right. What's coming next? What's up? You know, what's this group of enemies? Where's my um, the the Mary that I need to to try and hit? I think it actually works with that, and especially if you're not pausing the game, uh, you can use the music to some degree to help you time where you're at and what's going on and and what's up next. Um, definitely. 
Well, let's get into the game then. So first choice you really need to make is arcade mode or Saturn slash story mode, depending on which version you're playing. There are reasons to play both, um, but the kind of the main course, the main dish of the home versions, I would say, is Saturn or story mode. You've got, there's well, uh, there's more to do in it um, and more to see, but it's also quite an undertaking. It also has this sort of RPG system, which is interesting. Uh, so according to a GameFAQs guide on based on the Saturn version by one N Metatron, uh, you start out with one credit, but for every 100% destruction and every hour you play, the more credits you get, maximum of two per game. The intro and ending are done in FMV, very nice FMV, and there are real-time cutscenes before and after each level, as opposed to the arcade mode. Uh, Saturn mode re also requires you to play both stages two and four yeah. rather than choose. And there are five new bosses to fight and 20 new merry dogs to find. It takes there weren't enough bosses yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> also wanted to mention uh, difficulty selection. So there are five difficulty settings. And um, this is a really interesting one because if you uh, now I've I may have looked at the high end in the dim and distant past but i've certainly looked at the com the comparison between the the lower three and it's uh it's it's much more interesting than a lot of games i think in this respect in that it actually kind of remixes the whole game mm -hmm. it's not just about number of bullets that are being fired or um you know damage damage enemies take or anything like that but like levels are actually redesigned to an extent on the easier settings so there's like there's fewer gates to go through or sometimes enemies will have fewer attacks or fire less bullets. But other times um, it's actually just different formations and uh, different behaviors and things like that. Interesting. So, yeah. It's, yeah. it's, yeah, it's, really it's cool. way more than just, yeah. Uh, the, the amount of the work basics. that has gone yeah. in this game is, yeah. Yeah. It's really, and that, that adds a lot to the replayability overall. If this is a game you buy and are planning on playing for, Let's face it, late nineties. You could quite easily be spending years with this this game if that's the game you've oh, got. Um, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. still playing it after twenty five years. Yeah, for years. sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But yeah, that yeah. adds a lot. But again, it, go, it I think it goes goes to the concessions as well that they make for for players of yes, you've got to have a certain level of skill to beat this at, at any point on on any. Oh difficulty, yeah, very easy as a misnomer. Would, yeah. I would, I would, <laughs> right. I would contest. Yes, ah, well, that was my twenty-five CC clear was on very there we easy. Go, yeah, um, yeah. And no, no disgrace. That. But again, if no, but it feels like the the concessions were they were trying to bring in as many people as possible from what is probably a niche of a niche in in, in with these kind of shooter games. What's uh, what's really cool, I think, about the difficulty levels, it can it can it cuts both ways, but it it can because it can lead, lead you lull you into a full sense of security playing on very easy and as practice and then moving up a level, but actually it also teaches you what's coming. So yeah. for instance, on story mode, if you play on very easy, you're still leveling up your weapons and then yeah. you can then play through on normal and you'll know exactly when most things are happening. You'll get caught a few times by surprise when things are slightly remixed yeah. and different, but you'll also know where the next three ships are coming on the top of the screen. So you can basically make sure that you've, killed them before they even start causing yeah. trouble and um i've even considered just out of i mean it might be a 
a disaster, but I, I have actually thought I might do some practicing on very hard and then, and mm-hmm. you know, get as good as I can on that and then go back to normal mm-hmm. and I'll, and then it will feel yeah. easier, you know? Yeah. Training with weights mm-hmm. on. That's the kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Mm. So talking about this, uh, this weapon upgrade uh, thing, uh, I should say, listener, we, we had, uh, we had, we did have five on this show up until the uh, last minute, but Ryan has kindly stepped aside to allow us more room and to make Jay's life slightly easier. But uh, we've got a few bits from, from Ryan that uh, I think are worthy of inclusion. So Ryan said the EXP weapons system made me think about vanquish's upgrade mechanic in vanquish you can hold three weapons and if you pick up ammo for a weapon that's already full it converts to that specific gun's exp that means you have to carry the gun that you want to upgrade but not use it otherwise it won't have full ammo delayed gratification i'm sacrificing the use of my favorite weapon so that it may be stronger when i really need it later this game's upgrade system is kind of the opposite you upgrade the weapon that's currently in use Since there are one or two weapons that are clearly all-round useful, it takes a bit of discipline to use and upgrade guns that aren't as immediately useful early on in order that they may become stronger when they're essential later. Yeah. Also, I think uh, I misunderstood uh, the game when I first started playing it on 360. I thought you had to upgrade all seven weapons independently, but Uh, there's really three main weapons yes and then there's the three different combinations the that you yeah. can do yeah which are which of course carry over the uh the damage yeah. and the 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 level the weapon level the original coin up only had three buttons and you had to remember was it yeah. i think it was three buttons yeah and you had to yeah. use uh different combos of buttons oh, okay to cool. get i still did you, that well actually. you still can yeah, yeah you still can yeah. yeah i i find i find the uh combinations of holding certain buttons together easier to memorize oh, than really? Interesting. Uh, like uh, six different or seven different face buttons. Ah, okay. The only the only sense. button I made an exception for was the shoulder button on the Saturn pad. Yeah. To use the, the sword, uh, sword yeah, for because different. you don't want to press all three all no. three buttons at the same time no. uh, all no. the time. And plus, it allows you to. I don't know if it, it's likely intentional, but it feels almost like cheating a little bit. Like you can alternate the, the sword very quickly with uh, hmm. with. With uh, using a regular weapon, you yeah, know, probably like in des- very probably by design, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if you've got a six-button Saturn pad like like I have, yeah. you can then just use the three extra face buttons to to use the um, yeah. to fire those those combination weapons. Yeah. I did that with holding certain buttons together, but the A and the C button together is not super comfortable no. when you're playing. No, so no. I used the uh, what is it? The Y button on the top also for the backwards yeah. firing. Yeah. Weapon. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. I, in the end, uh, I didn't use all seven buttons uh, that are mapped to the game, but I used three, four, yeah, five buttons then. You purist. That, that's exactly mm. what yeah. you want. I, it, it just felt yeah, better Yeah, that's to exactly me. what yeah. you want. It's the okay. same in your fighting game. It's not going to be the last time I talk about fighting games, folks. Hold on to your butts. Um, but that's exactly the yeah. thing. You want <laughs> multiple different ways of putting in some of the more complicated inputs so that you know, and, and you were talking about, Mikhail, it's very difficult to hold down three buttons at once. Well, depending on how you're holding the pad, if you're doing more of a claw grab or something like that, it may make more sense for that. But the option's there so that people yeah. can find what's comfortable and intuitive for them, which is perfect. Yeah, and I could uh, almost see, I think, if I would be playing the game on Arcade Stick, I didn't uh, for, mm. for uh, you know, the time I was playing yeah. right now. But there, of course, it's easier to just make those button combinations yeah. when you've got a stick on your lap yeah. and... Uh, yeah, and press 
those three buttons separately. I did play. I probably this. still macro the uh, the swords to a separate button, yeah. but uh, yeah. yeah, the other combinations would be quite easy to handle that way. I did play with arcade stick on the Saturn a bit back in the day, but ultimately I found the pad easier, and uh, and now I'm way more used to the different Xbox buttons than I yeah. am the button combos. Yeah. Occasionally I'll get a combo by accident, but generally it's uh, I'm happier just to use the the individual button. I know exactly my my muscle memory immediately jumps to the weapon I need without even thinking about it at this point. So, but yeah, it's good that so the I, options are there. I didn't I didn't get on with this upgrade system to be honest. Okay. I mean, and and I know it's one of the things that people really like about the game, but I I I disagree with Ryan there. I mean, I don't think you do have to. And and I preface this by saying I'm really bad at this game. Uh, and so people who are really good at it will probably say that's nonsense. But I don't think there are weapons that you do need to think about to use later that you wouldn't ordinarily use. So to, for me, I used the Vulcan cannon and I used the spread shot almost exclusively. Now, uh, there were there were definitely times when I felt like... And the beauty of this game, right, is when it gives you these weapons, it gives you a blank canvas and says, right, go and solve these series of puzzles. We're going to throw these combat puzzles at you. You've got all the tools that you're ever going to have. You'll power them up, but you've got all the tools. Go and find those solutions to these puzzles. But I found that using those two, what I would call the main weapons, the Vulcan Cannon and the Spreadshot, I didn't really feel like I had to use the, the, the homing weapon. So I feel like in, yes, I could have powered up that one, but I just didn't really need to. And no, I hate to be that guy, it, but you're playing it wrong. <laughs> Um, and I, I, I knew you would say that, and I probably you definitely do need all the weapons. I managed to get a clear without using. Yeah, it. but I, I, on very easy with lots of lives. So you need two hundred and fifty. Yeah. So you, you need, you do like, uh, and again, I'm not speaking as as any kind of absolute expert at this game. And the there are aspects of the difficulty of this game which uh, are yeah really challenging for my level of video game skill. However. I have now played it enough uh, to know that every weapon absolutely is has its place and they definitely all do need to be powered up if you want to have the best chance of getting through the game like well. What I would say is there is one I don't really use and I realise that that's probably my flaw and that's the, the lock-on electric beam one, the, yeah. the, the, the sort of... The one that scans out yeah. in front of your ship and then... It's very useful in some occasions where you want to be hitting enemies that your other weapons can't reach. It's also... Yeah. Seeks things behind... Seeks things yeah. behind, behind It's barriers. also really useful when you want a weapon that doesn't obscure what's going on in the screen. The stage four wireframe boss is the only way I can describe it. Uh, the, oh, it's yeah. That's got some invisible bullet issues. Yeah, yeah That is yeah, very yeah. difficult yeah. to see where the bullets yeah. are coming towards you, except if you've only got two beams of electricity coming out from your ship at any one time, in which case it's really easy to see that. So I definitely had my uh, times yeah. where I wanted okay. to see more mm. of what was going on uh, on the screen. And it, it's actually pretty high damage. It's slow is the downside. You can go for a, like a second where it's not scanned and found the enemy. But exclusively now, yeah. I use that homing beam for that boss. I will not use anything else because I will miss uh, either the dotted line trace that's coming out yeah, or yeah, yeah. the the mm. uh, sort of empty bordered uh, shots as they're coming towards you. Yeah. Yeah. That is the homing I do, plasma. I do, yes. Yeah. I do agree uh, in, in my uh, you know, in my playing through the game with Chris, that uh, to an extent where 
I do definitely don't agree that uh, the homing weapon is not useful at all because it is, but it is the weapon that I leveled up the slowest because also, of course, when you're leveling up your weapons, you want a certain amount of a certain amount of think, yeah. But uh, hold on, because I think that there's confusion. We've we've got there's a lock on spread that's homing. We've got homing plasma and the basic homing. Yeah, yeah, but but Chris was talking about only using the straight Vulcan and the side sh- uh, shooting uh, warhead yeah. missiles, the yeah, spread yeah. shot. So I'm using maybe now homing as a little bit of a shorthand, but I'm using uh, I mean the main sure. primary yeah. homing weapon, gotcha. which is the one you're leveling up, and that the other combinations feed off, of course, yeah, your yeah, yeah. Uh, increased damage output, your increased DPS. So um, yeah, of course. You're leveling up that weapon slower than the others, maybe also because it has more situational use, plus its various combinations, uh, but also because it kind of goes against the idea of you're shooting with a certain amount of accuracy to where you actually reliably can cha- make chains, so you can make the level the, the weapon stronger. But uh, yeah, all, all homing variations have their uh, use, and definitely... There are situations during boss fights where you have to use homing, otherwise you're just not damaging them, you know? And unless you're comfortable mm. yeah, dealing with a time, lot more yeah. attacks uh, and taking extra time and dealing with a lot more attacks because all the bosses over time will start pulling out new attacks that yeah. you, you know, they'll, they'll keep on throwing new attacks at you that you'll have to contend with or you have to deal with at that point. Yeah. So it, it just... it's very helpful uh, to keep homing and it's two variations for for situational use yeah yeah i I mean i can see i mean you watch videos of high level players and they're always changing between their weapons and they use probably all of them equally well well certainly the the three main ones but i think this i mean listening to you guys talk my appreciation for the game grows and i do Mm -hmm. really appreciate what the game is and what it does but my i mean my personal view is I play mainly narrative and systems heavy games, so when I when I turn on a shmup, I I, I just want to shoot yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, I just want to blast Absolutely. stuff out the sky. Yeah. I you definitely won't to be a alone in soundtrack. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't want to think about powering up weapons, and to be honest, I don't really want to solve puzzles. Either. And that's why, <laughs> yeah. pers- my that's why personally, yeah. I, I, although I can appreciate all of this stuff about you know the leveling up the weapons. I actually didn't like the game, and that's because I just want to blast stuff yeah. out the yeah, sky. Yeah. You you have to work a lot of things out as you play. You yeah. have to do, make a lot of calculations in your brain of what to use, where, which enemies to shoot, which enemies to leave alone to to yeah. to be chaining, of course. And I think, you know, uh, talking about my uh, introduction to the game on XBLA, where, what I was talking about in the beginning, I unfairly perceived the game as being incredibly rote, like it would be very specific in its mm. in what it wanted mm. you to do, you know, in its yeah. in its solutions. And I've definitely come back from that quite a bit, uh, having spent more time with it uh, on the Sega Saturn. Uh, yeah, of course, it is a very brainy shooter, and it is very puzzle-like in its design. Some people, even in the shooter map community, might scoff at the idea of puzzle shooters, <laughs> but this is explicitly what uh what treasure set out to mm. to design in both yeah. uh, radiant yeah. silver gun and ikaruga mm-hmm. and um but there is a lot of flexibility within that and it's the the let's say the road uh execution of the game 
comes down more to the tactics you've personally developed to deal with each situation mm-hmm. in a risk-free score optimizing way because scoring is of course very much tied to your progress and uh, to to doing better in the game and to your long-term survival um uh yeah so in the in the end you will f- repeat the same actions over and over again in the same stages most of the time because it's just it works the the best way mm. for you but you got to those solutions to your problems yeah in your in your yeah. own way and i think that's the the real distinction of what mm. makes the game much better than i initially gave it credit for yeah but i i equally i totally understand where chris is coming from and yeah, yeah. i think that um you know the fact that although i consider this game to be yeah something of a of a favorite of mine there are definitely times where it's not one that I'll just necessarily stick on for a casual blast. You like it, no, it's something yeah, you have to really, really kind of yeah. It's it's something that demands quite a lot of effort and concentration, and and that's not you know that that sounds like I'm being dismissive of Chris Chris's position, but I'm not. What no, you're what, totally what, right, Leon. I mean, it's exactly what I what would I mean say. is like if I just want a quick blast, I'll probably play something by Toa Plan, say Flying Shark or yeah, Twin Cobra yeah, yeah. or something like that, yeah. and. Like those yeah. are really shoot the, thi- shoot the thingies. And yeah, they're, they're still die. really yeah. challenging and really tough, but they're but they're in you're a just different blasting, way. like yeah, uh, blasting yeah, yeah. and dodging. And this is yeah, this is kind of more, so many more kind of facets to it. What and and um yeah, well, I absolutely totally respect that position. Obviously, you like what you like and and you don't like what you don't like. I did get frustrated when this first came out on Xbox Live Arcade, and I saw a number of tweets. From people who just played the free trial, which every XBLA game used to have, so I think it was just like the first level, yeah. and sort of people <laughs> people playing it back in 2011 after hearing 13 years at that point of hype, and mm. just going, "Well, this is rubbish. It's rubbish." Like oh. you know, like they've played the first level and they're going, "Well, this is just overrated. Like this is just pure fanboy hype nonsense." It's like That's how ridiculous. you can't at least you know, like at least you've engaged with it to the point that you know what it is about it that you don't love. Um, yeah, they massively appreciate it. You know, as yeah, I said, I yeah. think this idea, you know, in any other context, this idea of giving you, presenting you with these stages and saying, right, you know, here are all your tools. Go and go and find a way that, and I, agree, I completely agree with Mikhail, actually, you know, that there are definitely multiple ways, you know, my play style has evolved through those early stages, which I actually got pretty good at, mm. you know, I can get yeah, through the mm. first stage, stage three, really without losing yeah. a life now most times. Yeah, and, yeah. That my my playstyle has evolved, but you know when I when I play shoot 'em ups mainly it's it's that it's that kind of half an hour when you finish playing something quite yeah. heavy. You've just got a bit of time to kill before bed, so I might just throw on you know Xevious or I might throw on R type, which I think is a bit more thinky. Yeah. Um, but I just learning. I just want yeah. to almost switch yeah, yeah. off. Whereas totally, totally understand. with Radiant Silver Gun, you need to give yeah. yourself to it in a lot of which ways. is I think why like my as much as I love the game and was an instant purchase when it came out, came out on XBLA, like my playtime on it was very, very limited because, you know, I bought it. I think it came out around the time that Kane and Rince started mm. and, and at mm. no point, you know, combined with the Kane and Rince schedule plus new releases at no point until we were covering the game on the podcast have I thought, yeah, I'm really going to sit down for 25 hours and get pro- get yeah. really good at this game again. Uh, I say yeah. again, I was never that good at it on Saturn, but yeah. I think yeah. it's 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 definitely a yeah and and it's difficult because what what can happen is that people who really do love this game it can come across as sort of gatekeeping mm-hmm. or or you know um 
pretentiousness or yeah I, uh, i'm a connoisseur so i like reading silver guns like <laughs> and, and i hate that sort of attitude like yeah if sometimes you just want like something that's just a blast right worth stressing to people who haven't played the game but are interested in listening it's not that you don't level up your weapons in arcade mode yeah it's just yeah, that no, you do you always start at level yep. zero and you level them up as you play that game and then when you when you game over they're all gone again but that's why if you go for the one cc in arcade mode yeah chaining becomes so crucial yeah you need to for the first couple of stages you need to basically perfectly chain for you to do any significant damage to late game bosses exactly yeah it's a completely different game completely different game you're playing at that point it's based on points we should say so uh and the only way to get big points is to chain colors and the only way to chain colors is to essentially choose a color in most cases and stick to it for for Uh, that stage i mean it does get for that stage at least and it does get more complicated but you need to know kind of you need to learn how many enemies are coming up in between the last boss and the next one and where they're coming and specifically how to take them out yeah. and this is where the game becomes yeah really really specific and trickier because you essentially have to dodge a lot of enemies and leave a lot yeah, of enemies yeah. alive to shoot at you and again yeah. uh, as you were saying as we were discussing this show pre-making it chris like so, again like when you play a shoot 'em up, you just really want to kill everything, and this game actually punishes you for doing that in some ways. Yeah, yeah. I started playing it originally, like uh, chaining in Ikaruga, yeah. where you do you build Which sets of three in, all the time and then alternate. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's why they call it the Ikaruga yes. mode. Yeah. So I was thinking, okay, now I killed three or five uh, red enemies. Mm-hmm. Now I'm switching to to blue. Now I'm switching yep. to yellow, and then I found out, oh, this is not doing much. Yeah. If I stick to one color, <clears throat> the chain keeps building and building yeah. and building and building. And yeah. Bearing in mind, yeah. uh, when I bought this, I had no idea how this worked either because I only had a yeah. Japanese instruction manual. I think it, you know, it had some visuals in there to give me a clue. But I, yeah. I made it exactly. Cool instruction manual. I made this. I made the same assumption as you, yeah. which was that you could chain three, and then the the chain mm. link on the screen disappears. So I'll do another different yeah. color chain. Surely it's not going to mean, mm-hmm. it's not going to actually ask me to avoid the next 11 enemies that are all yellow <laughs> to keep my, oh yeah, yeah. no, it Absolutely totally is. is. Yeah. yeah. Just one final, one final point for me ever made just on the, on the weapon upgrade system. So one of the things that I, I, I didn't like about it or another thing that I didn't mm. like about it is the fact that it, in story mode, once you've been playing it for long enough, it feels like it trivializes a little bit the first couple right. of stages. So you get to the point where you've you've maxed out that you can you can pretty much I mean as long as yes, if you're trying to chain it, there's definitely longevity there. You know, you can yeah. work on stuff. But if you're just playing to get through it, yeah. Those first couple of stages feel pretty trivial mm-hmm. once you've got maxed out weapons. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But I also like that in a sense that uh that they were a breeze, so you wouldn't have to repeat them, you know, yeah. at length. The, the, the uh, all, 30th all the time. time you've yeah. done it, though, yeah. I mean, it does get a little bit like, oh, here we go again. I've got to play through yeah. those first two stages again. Also, yeah. the skill then comes from trying to get 100% destruction well, on the right. boss without melting yeah. its core with your exactly. really overpowered weapon. So. Yeah, it yeah. becomes challenging to, to, to yeah. not immediately kill the boss with your <laughs> yeah. incredibly high level weapons. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, one final point on weapons the sword. So I do, it was a yeah. real frustration to begin with when you're trying to chain 
that the sword kind of becomes <laughs> a double-edged sword in that it's great mm. just to to clear enemies and bullets and pink bullets around you in a panic. It's like a, a reflex, like, ah, I've messed up. Mm. Quick, let me get out of this. But you can only do that two mm. or three times before you've then got it charged to take out half of the screen. And if you're trying to chain or you're trying to hold off killing a boss until you've mm. kind of systematically destroyed it, you can't use that now, potentially, until you yeah. know you can use it. So again, like I, I was mentioning earlier with learning when you can use homing, you also have to know when you can use that sword. So it that it goes from a yeah, reflexive, yeah. I can almost spam this if I'm in trouble, to no, now I have to be really considered with when I'm using it. Uh, yeah, don't exactly. press that button. I have to be really restrained with it. Mm. Oh, this, the sword is also yeah super important in a yeah, game, yeah. of course, yeah. because you scoop up the 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 pink bullets with it, and then yeah, do your big iframe granting, uh, mm. screen clearing, yeah. super cool higher frame sword. And, sword and the invincibility is almost more useful to me than than the attack. In yeah. All yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 And um but yeah, I've usually I would just go mental with the sword when there's a lot of pink bullets around and then of course immediately use it. But I've also learned to look out for that sort of visual cue you get like, okay, now your sword yeah. is charged. Yeah, yeah. And then I yeah. stop using it and you and use it for the moment mm, that yeah. I actually need it. It's ten. Ten pink bullets yeah. I found out today. I'd never counted before. Oh yeah, nice, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have a little meter, of course, yeah. under your scores. Yeah, yeah. Uh, seeing I, um, how far you I are. I know it's ten because the first set of enemies that come at me when I'm trying to to chain it, those first sort of three groups of different colours, I would always miss mm. one pink bullet and end up with half of my meter filled, so I knew it was ten. There was always six <laughs> pink bullets on the screen, yeah. and I got five of them and was half filled. A real heartbreaker it is also when you uh, are almost you almost have yeah. a fully I, charged sword and then you die to something stupid. You die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. One thing Yeah, I see one of my biggest personal failings of playing this game over the past few weeks is I just did not get good with this sword. Mm. Yeah. I was I only ever used it as a panic and when you watch high level players playing it, their yeah. their precise and accurate use of this sword yeah. is something to behold. There's a certain I certain rhythm this. to using it um yeah eff- efficiently yeah. where you want it often to make a full 360 degree around your yeah, ship exactly. so you need to keep it pressed for as for yeah. that long. If you keep it be, uh, pressed for longer than that, it sticks out uh, behind yeah. your ship and you can move it sort of uh, oh, cool. you like know, a, in opposite direction of your, your, of your ship's moving, movement. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah, which is uh, I, yeah, something for real masses yeah, of the game, I guess, yeah, to use sure. that, that mode of, of, of play. Yeah. One interesting thing that I'd never really kind of clocked or noticed, even though it's quite obvious to somebody who's been, anyone who's been playing shoot 'em up since the, well, since mid-80s, I suppose, Gradius Nemesis, there's no collectibles in this game other than the Merry Dogs, which aren't really a collectible because you don't have to fly over them. You just have to locate them with your homing shot. But uh, Yuchi said in an interview translated by our friends at Schmaplations, the reason I didn't include items in collectible items in Radiant Silver Gun is simply that when I play shooting games, items are very frequently the stupid cause of my death. <laughs> For example, in Gradius, when you want to select option, but you accidentally take one power up too many and select shield... Or in Thunder Force, when you want to select homing, but you press the button too many times and end up dying as you try to cycle back to it. That's why this time I wanted to confront the problem head on and create a game that progresses simply through shooting and dodging. 
There's been many previous games where you swap weapons, so adding a button just for switching weapons seemed too boring, and you always have to be keeping track of where your weapon gauge is. I wanted something where the way you used your hands was managed mentally. If the different weapons were all based on finger combinations, you wouldn't need to visually confirm weapons. You'd just automatically know what you were using. We also made bullets deliberately slow. If you're going for a gameplay style that involves threading through tiny cracks in bullet curtains, then a slower bullet speed will allow a wider audience to enjoy the pleasure of bullet dodging. Now that we've had the privilege of entering the arcade world, we hope to continue releasing games there. We've got to let everyone know the treasure name after all players, distributors and arcade operators alike. We're very proud of Radiant Silver Gun and we can safely call it our finest work to date. Yeah. Almost wistful back in ninety eight. Yeah. Later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's one thing also that makes the game feel very accommodating, like the sort of glacial pace. Mm. You know, there are a lot of moving parts in the stages, uh, and you're going to definitely take advantage of memorizing and repeat play. But it feels like you have a little bit of time to think and react on stuff happening on on screen. You know, in in a lot of cases. And um, that still means like you need to actually execute on it and uh, and and find uh, still find the optimal way of dealing with stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I, I did appreciate that a lot. And none of the actual, let's say, hardcore bullet patterns uh, for dodging felt um, yeah like felt like felt too intimidating. And it's yeah. a bit like a bit, bit Damaku like, wasn't it, at times? And yeah, they, they were the, they were actually my favorite part. Actually, I, I enjoyed this game more when it felt more like a cave shooter, which probably which will probably tell you just where my personal sensibilities lie. Whenever you did have to navigate through bullet patterns, was actually the bit when I felt, oh, actually, I can do this and I'm all right at this and mm. I feel good because that felt like I did that quite well. Mm. It's like yeah. when I have, but when I was having to solve regular enemy patterns was where i just died all the time mm. Mm. yeah i'm trying to remember which was the I, i've read it in the not too distant past um i think is batsugan considered the first danmaku game kind of yeah at so, least the, isn't it? at least the the second loop on the special version on the saturn port yeah I would say. so that was already yeah, a feel- few years old by by this point yeah the the regular the regular game is bullet hell for most of us, Leon. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. but, but one thing actually, uh, actually, the uh, I mean, Yuchi was talking about uh, you know experience, uh, weapon experience, and leveling up your weapons as opposed to power up pickups. Uh, Batsugan has that as well. Only, of course, you yeah. don't have all these different weapons. You have one main weapon, and just by killing enemies, you get experience and you level it, level it up. But that was. Uh, yeah, Batsugan definitely um, preceded Radiant Silver Gun in an experience system to level up your mm. ship. Yeah. Hardcore Gaming 101 said, A meticulously paced game that, despite its difficulty, is almost always fair. Some shoot em up scroll so quickly that you're dead and resurrected before you even know what killed you. In Radiant Silver Gun, you'll always see what killed you and you'll always know what you did wrong. In some ways, it's reminiscent of methodical shooters like R-Type, Though Silvergun's yeah. instant resurrection makes the proceedings feel less like trial and error. Radiant Silvergun's relaxed pace is arguably one of its biggest shortcomings. A whole playthrough takes roughly an hour and it's in no rush to get to its conclusion. The screen scrolls slowly, 
Enemies casually saunter on screen, fire their bullets and stroll away just as effortlessly. Even your ship is a bit on the sluggish side. Although it lacks the frantic pace of more chaotic shooters, it will still force you to weave through corridors of deadly enemy fire. It replaces twitch skill with pure, unnerved intensity, which is almost more exciting. Yeah, th that ship is really yeah. slow. And yeah, there is mm. definitely that. Yeah, very slow. And and that is that uh, again. That uh, I could say that kinship with image fight. In that you know, image fight right. is very much an Irem game. In in uh, you know, mm. it's very R type like only yeah. vertical. Yeah. Like one of the few vertical sh shooters that uh, that uh, Irem made. Mm. So yeah, and you see that back in Radiant Silvergun for sure. But do you think the game feels slow? I mean, mm -hmm. I get the fact that the game gives you thinking space, although not a lot, if you don't know what's coming. But, like, never once did I feel like the enemies are coming at me really, really slowly here. Not from my, not, no. not, not according to my perception of time. I think, I mean, I think there's still scientific studies to be done on whether people actually see a different frame yeah, rate. How you stuff. perceive this stuff. But, um, there are bits which where the scrolling really ramps up. There are yeah. some really yeah, like exactly. the 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 um, golets, the two twin mm -hmm. ships, where yeah. you're going through the. That's almost like Airbuster those tunnels where you're kind of either yeah, yeah. dodging through gates or or flying directly behind yeah. it. There's quite a few bits where I feel like the pace certainly ramps up. And actually, while there are definitely. there are little bits of downtime, I would definitely say even on the very easy difficulty, this game is intense. Yeah, I would say. I think what I would say, but uh, but yeah, generally nothing n nothing moves at like crazy breakneck pace. And yeah, you don't have time and to I think that's the thing I would yeah. say is that when I was talking earlier about the music making it feel faster than I think it is. Yes, I think the the Golat sequence is is kind of another one I point to where that feels fast because your ship moves so slowly that if you're not on the ball and precise, yeah. you will fly into a wall. Oh yeah, I. Mm -hmm. Think it's your not... your ship speed definitely can can get you there. Oh, yeah, I had the yeah. exact same thing, like where I dodged dodged the boss's attack on the wrong yep. side, and I wanted to get behind it, and I just didn't have yeah. time, and I crashed into. That's the a wall. good example yeah. of one of the bits, which maybe not RNG. It might be based slightly on player position mm -hmm. or something. Some of the bosses behave slightly differently. It doesn't always go left or right first. Right. It will vary. Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. Um, but yeah, I think that's a sequence where I would point to and say. I don't think that sequence is that fast. I think because your ship is slow, and I definitely had to, like, on yeah. my second or third uh, attempt, very early on, was sort of like, I need to just check movement speed doesn't change when I'm shooting. Because that's absolutely something other shooters do, where you need to therefore be more yeah. careful with when you're shooting. This game doesn't care. Just just leave your Vulcan cannon firing all the time, if you want. If you're just planning on clearing the screen, just do that. Because it doesn't make a difference, and it kind of feels like maybe it should... Uh, but then I think the reason this game can feel fast in spots is because your ship speed's slow. And I think that then requires you to be more anticipatory in the way that a faster shooter would. Ryan says, I love the big, chunky 3D boss models. Despite their impracticality as machines, <laughs> they were surprisingly readable. Overall, the game's bullet hell spreads were rarely overwhelming. I overwhelm easily in this genre. There are only a couple of areas that I can't reasonably make it through without death boosting ahead of problem areas, like the zigzagging turret tunnels and a couple of moments of the twisting electric jump rope boss. Horrible description. I don't know what else to call it. I knew exactly <laughs> yep, what you meant. I know exactly the two sequences as well, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that zigzag turret. <laughs> I tried to navigate around those ships coming at you to not break my chain. 
in the end, it wasn't worth loot like the occasional life oh. I lost. I ended up just using my homing be actually it was homing and then I changed it to yeah. my uh homing plasma rather than just regular homing. Um mm, and yeah. just cleared that out because it wasn't worth it. Sometimes not dying is definitely preferable about uh to yeah. to yeah. trying to yeah, keep a chain. Sure. Yeah. I think the hardest bit for of that section for me is when the three bigger ships come in just north and south of the uh yeah. Of, the, of the jump rope and immediately fire off those little blue shots yeah. at you. Yeah, those and, are so uh, fast. Until you, until you know, until you know what's coming, and you know to Vulcan and rear cannon, and then on the higher difficulties, it adds an extra ship right. in there Lovely. as well. Nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I go I go nuts there with uh, the reticule homing laser. Yeah, you know? like, and again, uh, that's a, and, that's and a just, cool and example. And then focus on dodging everything. There yeah. isn't only one solution. To, to each yeah. of these uh, each of these problems, that's a proper throw down the controller and a this is impossible <laughs> moment, isn't it? And then yeah. you immediately say to yourself, "Don't be silly, no, yeah. it isn't." <laughs> you just need to you just need to figure. But if it you out. get there yeah. with, say, an arcade mode with low level weapons, it's oh, a yeah, lot yeah. harder than yeah yeah. 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 Well, maybe maybe even in yeah, n- never impossible, yeah. but for 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 most me and yeah, yeah, yeah. and. I was really taken aback when going to arcade mode after doing story mode a lot. Like there was just so many enemies that even the ones that I wanted to kill before they left the screen, I yeah. couldn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I was going to say the, the 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 lack of leveled up weapons can mean that uh, bosses yeah. self destruct, yep. which is a timeout, and obviously means you get no bonuses, yeah. which is always very dispiriting. <laughs> there are twenty three yeah. bosses no bonus in the for game. You. In the full game, uh, you won't fight all 23 unless you play story mode in a row. Uh, and a few of them are actually missing from the arcade mode. Uh, the majority of the boss names actually do mean different things, which are kind of, they're kind of puns and um, sort of language gags, um, slightly disguised as random letters and numbers. So U-E-2-A-G-A-L uh you would say out loud as uh, Ueni Agaru, which means going up. That's the one that's on like the side of a building. Oh, the and, elevator boss. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's a fun one to try to 100% because it keeps bringing up new bits and more bits and more bits. And it actually becomes a challenge yeah. to not kill the, the core while staying alive. Um, Nasu is aubergine or eggplant. Uh, Daikai 10 means giant spin. Uh, Dango Mushi Dan five six four means pill bug and so on. So they were having some fun with that stuff. And Gallop <laughs> is a uh, is a reference to R type or or the police armed police unit Gallop series. Armed police Gallop unit yeah. Gallop, yeah, yeah. But uh, and that uh, that ship was so cool because it only appeared to me later how much of an R nine uh, callback that uh, that boss is. It's yeah. pretty much. Like it has the 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 four spot, which is more like an anchor mounted, which it shoots off, mm-hmm. and then it has an actual charge shot, uh, and it can fire off like a level one charge shot, like in uh, R type two and super R type, where it just it's a big energy blast, or it can fire off a level two charge shot, where it has that big shotgun blast of energy flying all over the That's screen, right. yeah. uh, and and then the main weapons that it fires. One is sort of like the the candy laser, the circular uh, thing. It is. Yeah. Uh, it fi- fires off the um, uh, ricocheting laser as well, and it fires off the uh, the the 
the weapon that sort of uh, shoots fire across the surfaces around the side. So it's completely our type that that boss is. Yeah. Any other uh, comments on any of the individual bosses or the or the process of learning them and beating them that we haven't already covered? Would you say? Anyone? I think it's really satisfying. I think uh, I got two bosses, uh, yeah. and when I was very underpowered, wondered how I'd beat them. Once I was, you know, able to deal with them, it became a, a puzzle game of, right, how do I get this 100%? The first boss, for some reason, it took me a long time to work out how to get 100%, and by the time I'd worked it out, mm. it's now 50-50 on whether I can do it or whether my weapons are too powerful and end up 70%ing yeah. me. Um, <laughs> disintegrate so yeah but yeah i i enjoyed the progression with each boss that familiar feeling of i can't do this no way i can and now i've mastered it and now i need to hold back because it, <laughs> i'm killing it too quickly is yeah is a nice <laughs> nice arc to go yeah on. i've become yeah, too yeah, powerful yeah. yeah yeah it's really because you said earlier on to my you get encountering my point about the game being a bit trivial when the early game being a bit trivial when you've maxed out your weapons this is the bit that that keeps you going it is like okay well i know i could just blast the core of this thing and it'll be done in seconds but now how can I figure out how to take it down piece by piece? And, and mm. then you take that into arcade mode, you know, and then you can try and do that again. But as Mikhail said, the problem is then you're, you're too weak. But it's fun. It's fun working out. I mean, again, it's yeah. like a puzzle, isn't it? You know, the boss, each of the bosses, bosses are like puzzles. You need to work out how to stay alive, first of all, hmm. then how to harm it, and then how and to then take it apart. And then execute it all together. Like a, yeah. yeah, and then execute it all With in one go. a million go. bullets on the screen. That's the other thing. Like, yes, the pink. we mentioned the pink bullets. Um and that they themselves have become a kind of uh, a genre staple. Um, but this game, actually, the the number of different styles of enemy projectile is unusually high. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think it's been sort of. Uh, I think this is a this is a case of a developer, and also the time when the game came out, the rules hadn't all been set, and they didn't follow all the rules anyway because they were treasure and they did their own thing. So this game has, I would say, I don't know, about 12, 15, 25, I don't know, different enemy projectile types. Whereas oh, yeah. till the very end, you keep seeing new projectile types. You do, you do, yeah. And and yeah. that, I think, you know, some would, some maybe shoot them up. Tatsujin would say that it's actually a bit, uh, it's a bit unfriendly. But I actually like the, the challenge of it, yeah. and and again, it's also the visual variety of it is is more interesting because I, I I do find some of the the contemporary Dan Maku games a little bit like they they should be prettier to look at because of all the blooms of curtains and flowers and things but actually like there's yeah there's there's visual repetition I think I I would like a middle ground where say they're always the same color so the special bullets can stand out <laughs> right, but they're yeah. all the same color and then change the shape yeah. because there are definitely yes. times in this game where I think I said um, during the week when I got to stage four, it felt like I'm really glad I don't have epilepsy because some of these bullets, like the the golets, uh, is actually before that, but like the multicolored discs and the multicolored um, shots coming at you, I I could not make head nor tail of them for the longest time. I got used to yeah. it. There's a bit of visual but noise. There, isn't there's there? and yeah. as I mentioned, there's somewhere I need to change the weapon I'm using because I just can't see it versus uh, my shots, which. Like, that's something I can adapt to. That's absolutely fine. But there's definitely points at which some of the bullets are like they're flashing. They're the um one of them where mm. they put out like yeah, uh, right. circles of bullets that like uh, erupt at you. Um, just some of it is yeah. You can see why some uh, developers have decided 
let's strip this back and make it more readable, even if it affects True. the yeah. the aesthetic pleasure of of the game. Unfortunately, but yeah, is a fair point. I, I, the only thing I really else wanted to say, other than because we can't, yeah, we kind of already mentioned Ziga, which is the the big final boss, uh, sort of Ultraman esque character. Um, but I wanted to say how when I first played this back in '98 and for a few years afterwards. It was only the you look at it now and the list of twenty three and I've played through most of them a number of times. But it was Gallop. It was the third boss that actually made me start to sweat a bit. Yeah. Like the with the, the those curtains of fire and the missiles yeah. that go to the edge of the screen and the fact that you had your position kind of dictated to you by this uh, this force nose thing that yeah, you can't tough, go yeah. near and yeah. And like now, I can. Yeah, it's much easier I, with an upgraded Vulcan where it, you can but... just sit head on, and, and enough bullets go around <laughs> that it will kill the yeah. it will kill the main body as <laughs> yeah. well. But yeah, it's really yeah. tough um, to get around. Yeah, it. and the, and then when it does like a, a longer attack that locks it into place, you go to the side of it and start using your sight uh, shot, for example. Yeah. You know, and then do a lot of uh, continuous. It feels like it's too. hunting you down, doesn't it? Across your screen, it yeah, feels yeah. like it's yeah. coming mm. for you. Yeah. Yeah, in a way, it aggressively banks from left to right and actually smashes against the side of the walls. Yeah, so, yeah uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that's really just the kind of, it's almost like a, yeah, just an early warning of, <laughs> of what's coming. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Alex79, yeah. and, and perhaps this is, uh, this is a sort of a good example of somebody who, yeah, hasn't played the game much because that's exactly what Alex starts with from the little I've played. And I'm not trying to be contrary but I'm not sure why Radiant Silver Gun is held in such high regard. Not that it's a bad game at all. I've just not found the reason that other people seem to hold it in higher regard than any number of other shmups from around the same time. I think we've we've quite uh, at length sort of said this game. What what you get out of it is how much time you put into it. I mean, it's it's rough to say because nowadays definitely it's kind of bad form for a developer to do that. You kind of need to get people's buy-in fairly quickly uh and that's just not this game yeah. like if if i wanted a, a quick yeah. fix as as chris you've been saying i'd go to a cave shooter i really would that's not what i'm gonna get from from this game uh unless it's part of a daily play regime to sort of build up and, and improve absolutely yeah yeah and me initially coming off the uh 360 version and having my other Saturn shooters like uh, Garega and um, Batsugan and you know several others. I um, I felt like yeah you know does it is it really as good as those? And I think something like Battle Garega or Batsugan is equally um, uh, yeah important for the for the mm-hmm. genre and just as a game uh, you know like equally well designed in their in their own right and. Kind of, you know, like kind of monumental almost. But there's this thing about treasure, you know, that not just within the genre of the of the shoot 'em up uh, have they made something you could easily call a masterpiece, but sort of beyond that because they do very much their own thing they do. with the genre. Yeah, you know, like it it it's deeper than just the genre of shoot 'em ups only when it comes to their games, and it sounds like ridiculous hyperbole maybe. But uh, yeah, there's just something that uh, in their their big shoot 'em ups that yeah crosses over into the the wider uh, yeah. you know the wider world of video games. 
Ryan said, uh, combo chasing to upgrade weapons was a great addition with a bunch of interesting mediations. I like when a game's uh, game gives you something secondary to the primary task of survival to think about. It becomes a second game within the first. It's the feeling of using the hunting horn in Monster Hunter World. You're primarily concerned with the physicality of attacking and defending during monster encounters, but you have the secondary concern of making sure you trigger notes in specific orders to give yourself a useful boost. Yeah, I mean, that's this game in a nutshell. Everything we've talked about is what you think is your primary concern initially, and then actually you realise maybe what you thought was secondary or didn't even realise was there is actually what you need to be focusing on a lot more. Yeah, yeah, very astute. Yeah, and for those Alex seventy nines, you know, and he's there'll be millions more Absolutely. like him, and he's, uh, you know, at least he's, you know, he's he's considered it enough to know that, you know, it's probably what he's not seeing rather than the, you know, the game being an inverted commas bad yeah. game. But there is there there is that thing where if you if you do only play it for that limited amount of time, just like I did those first two times, you're not even gonna probably notice the things that will become the most important things right. to you. Twenty hours of gameplay yeah. later, like Merry Dogs. <laughs> no, not like Merry Dogs, Liam. <laughs> they remain not important. <laughs> They're my favourite thing. It's true. <laughs> They're important if you're score chasing and also if you love cute inclusions in video games. Uh, the Ryan says, the dog is an interesting mediator. Homing shots reveal the dog, but homing shots can also break a combo since they'll go after whatever is closest by may help you to learn where the dog is the first time around, but it's really up to you to memorise those locations in future loops. Yeah, I've got to the point now where in story mode I can get 20 or more in a run of the 30. There's only 11 mm -hmm. in arcade mode. Um, they Sometimes I can do it without breaking my chain. Sometimes I can't. Yeah. Um, but I... And uh, they are the three different colours, red, yellow and blue i think yeah. but i've never tried to work them into my chains because i'm just not that good enough i'm just happy to see them because they're really cute and they've got a funny little animation and they go arf arf when they arrive <laughs> <laughs> i just i'm just sad that i can't collect them in in this one like you could in the saturn in this was the thing i bought i bought radiant silver gun along with these other games in cex in that 1998 day and the guy behind the counter at cex I don't call it sex like the adverts nope. do because it's rubbish. Um, the guy was going, he was like talking to his, it, it was quite cool. It was like a nice affirmative moment. He was probably a bit younger than me. I was 26 or whatever. And he was going to his mate behind the till. This guy is cool. He's getting this game and this game and Radiant Silver Gun. Uh, he know, <laughs> you know, basically like saying, yeah, the, this, this guy knows what's up. Um, and he said, do you know about the Merry Dogs? And I said, Excuse what? me, sir. <laughs> he said, Merry dogs. Is yeah, that a yeah. pub? Uh, he said, There are these hidden dogs and you can collect them. And uh, they're hidden in stages. I was like, Oh, cool. I didn't know how to get them at this no. point, but at some point I accidentally unlocked one with the homing plasma, whatever it's called. And um, yeah, I've loved them ever since, really. Uh, there's, there's not enough about them or, or assets on the internet. It's, you can't like. I mean, I'm almost tempted to sign up for the really expensive limited run version just so I can have some mer more Merry Dog merch <laughs> in my life. But um... so I'll fight you. I'll fight you a little bit on this. So in, in in any other genre, hunting down collectibles with no visual or audio mm. clue, or hunting down anything, think pixel hunting in point and click games, 
would be criticised as a design flaw. Yet in this game, it's okay. Uh, well, the thing is, it's totally inessential. Yeah. Um, the <laughs> that makes it even worse. Um, Not I... really. The um, you can you can completely ignore yeah. it. It's very much a throwback to even Xevious, the one of if not the first vertically scrolling shoot 'em up that wasn't just set in space, had hidden flags and items on the ground that you could unlock by bombing. And the idea was that you mm. would accidentally reveal them as you played, and then you would remember where they were and hit them the next time. To- uh, Toa Plan's first uh, vertical scrolling shoot 'em up had areas that you could shoot and get and if you hit them enough times you get 10,000 point bonus and things like this it's a kind of mm. genre staple and it's not really it's not like a it's not a pixel hunt in the sense that there's absolutely no i mean they could be anywhere but actually a lot of them are in very logical places like they'll be in the center of a circle of something like most of them mm. um or they'll be on a on a, a, a sort of noticeably jutting out piece of scenery or uh, in the centre of where a boss is going to appear, so there are mm. sort of there are some loose rules, almost oblique yeah. clues. Um, uh, yeah, there I are. mean, it, yeah. I would say yeah. like, and forgive me if I'm wrong, I might be about to speak at a turn here. Um, but secret rooms in Doom, I'm not entirely sure those always have um, clues that they're there. No. Uh, I want to say early Zeldas, there wasn't always a clue to where you needed to put a bomb. Wasn't to, even a bombable to... wall sign. No, and we and we quite rightly rail yeah. against those kind of well, things now. Um, I actually, <laughs> I actually feel like you know the in those cases, like later Zeldas were almost too much, like always using the same texture for a bombable mm-hmm. wall and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Were were almost too guided, where it doesn't really feel like you're discovering a secret yeah, it anymore. Starts to feel more routine. So yeah. I, I actually feel it feels more routine. So I like I I mean you know screens full of identical tiles is maybe a little bit too much but i do actually like secrets being actual secrets all these are really here for more like a for already expert players to maximize their scores i mean so yeah. how much do you get how many all, points do you get it, per, per completely all string them if you chain them a lot yeah yeah yeah, yeah. a lot yeah yeah hundred thousand okay. yeah like the, the, one the, when i'd got a chain of like 12 or so the very first one is like wow. twenty five points or something. Uh, yeah, ten. Um, maybe but yeah, they. Easy, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, like uh, like Leon said, it's a genre staple as well. Dodon Patch has the the secret bees mm. or the wasps, and uh, Raiden has the fairies. Uh, it's it, it's very and if it would be a case of oh oh you don't get to see the ending or you don't get the final boss because you didn't find all the merry dogs, it would be more egregious, mm. of course, but. As it stands, I mean, it's more like a cute little Easter eggy thing yeah. that helps you to boost your score if you really want to go for yeah. you know high level what, competitive what score. Say, you could easily play this game and never exactly, know. Exactly. Yeah. There what, what I will say in, in uh, Chris's defense here is, halfway through the week, you happened to mention Merry Dogs, and I was like, I've seen Merry on my sc- my game over screen of how many chains I got. It's zero. I'd found none of them. I hadn't been using homing weapons at that point because I just hadn't had a need to. I, you know, it hadn't hadn't come up. I I don't know what it would have taken for me to work out those were there. And and actually, just to be clear, I don't think the regular homing shot hits them because I used that through the zigzag corridor and didn't find any. No, it's no, no. Only it's the only the it's only the plasma, plasma and the homing. Um, no, sorry, the not the plasma. Gun. It's the other one. The, so. 
Yeah, the lock-on one. The lock-on yeah. definitely hits them. I'm not sure about the, the plasma, but yeah, lock It's yeah, only yeah. that one. Um, yeah, it's only... It's, yeah. It's, yeah. So yeah, it, it, they they really are kind of a... Maybe one day you'll stumble over these, but feasibly you almost could never find one. Yeah. Yeah. I, as, I've never found one. No. Nah. We're just... But I've not used that weapon, so that will... Yeah, that, that would probably... I, I, I then took it. to, yeah. whenever I wasn't shooting an enemy, I had that button held down. Literally, yeah. it becomes curiously compelling. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like looking through looking through the magic lens in Ocarina of Time. It's yeah, we've yeah. got to catch them all. Yeah, as I say, the only sadness is that they took out the little kennel bit where they all bimble about. Yeah, I was expecting that when I went to the stats worth... screen after you'd kind of showed oh, no. me that, that a screenshot of that, and yeah, not not there at all. That's worse than the change they made to the story <laughs> mode, in my opinion. It does tell you how many merry dogs you found, yeah. but yeah, it doesn't actually show them. Yes. Okay. Right. Uh, there are some achievements, but only in one of the three versions available. Um, not that much to say. There's one quite interesting one for using the uh, only the sword on level right. one, yeah. which kind of is a sort of acts as a tutorial to, to teach you to use the sword. Uh, there's a getting 100,000 points by a chain bonus, which obviously is encouraging you to chain. Uh, there's a 1cc achievement, <laughs> which I don't have. And uh, there's hidden bosses achievement and destroy all bosses to 100%, not in one no. playthrough, oh, cool. in cumulatively. Yeah. And there's, is there one for, I think there might be one for, uh, there's only, there's one for finding a yeah. merry dog, but sadly there isn't no. one for finding all 30 merry uh, dogs. One for oh, missed opportunity. Oh no, there is. Sorry, there is one. One for uh, top breeder maxing out cool. weapons as well. Yeah, there's there's some stuff that I tripped over. I think four of them uh, during my plays. Yeah. But obviously, there's some that I'm just never going to get on there. Tom Fum from the forum says this was one of the reasons I rebought a Saturn back in 2006. I'd heard so much about it and saw videos online, and I had to play it. I spent 120 pounds to get it and spent many many hours until I completed it, and wow, what a journey. This is the king of shmups for me. It's difficult, but if you learn the game, play over and over, so you power up the game gets a lot easier. This is a true legendary game, and I've rebought it recently, although it did cost me a fair bit more than it did all those years ago. So there's sort of uh, two sequels, <laughs> um, but one of them is... Uh, was originally a sequel and possibly is set in the same universe, but was ultimately renamed to Ikaruga, subtitled Radiant Silver Gun 2 originally. But in the end, all it says is by project. I think it just says Project RS2 somewhere mm. in the game. But they, for whatever reason, they yeah. decided to downplay the connection. Obviously, the game feel they feel quite similar one major difference is yeah. that we haven't mentioned radiant silver gun is a uh horizontal uh landscape aspect ratio vertically scrolling game which is relatively mm -hmm. unusual um plays in a four by three window whereas ikaruga is a vertical 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 game often this choice was uh, dictated by the amount of monitors that they had most of yeah. you know yeah. so you see like uh capcom's uh Capcom published um, vertical, vertical scrolling arcade mm -hmm. shooters of the late uh, 90s, yeah. like uh, Giga Wing and Mars Matrix by Takumi, and then 1944, the Loop Master, right. also have yeah. the, uh, the 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 uh, landscape uh, format. Yeah, 
Uh, and then there was a news story that was in VGC and uh, after being spotted by Gematsu, a Radiant Silver Gun logo had been discovered on publisher HappyNet's official Tokyo Game Show 2022 site, confirming that it would feature at this month's event. Did it? I don't think so. <laughs> um, Unless it was very quiet. Uh, this this can't have been something to do with the Switch port, no? Mm, it would have been too late for that, thinking, wouldn't it? thinking, yeah. Yeah, because this was... Tokyo Game Show's, what's... Uh, Only last year. October, September. Actually, yeah, yeah autumn. Yeah, and mm -hmm. when did the Switch version come out? Uh, it was, wasn't that late. <laughs> September. Oh, maybe it yeah, was that. I think so that's got to that, be it. Yeah, it 13th that, September, yeah, that, that would coincide. Yeah. yeah, it must have been. A Radiant Silver Gun game. So, yes, there is no sequel in the works. It's just the Switch version again. <laughs> oh, well. Finally, from the forum, we have Andrew Elmore, who says Radiant Silvergun is one of those special cases where a game's spirit and personality rise above even the sum of its excellent parts. It's a treasure game. It's an STG. It's a Hitoshi Sakamoto score for the ages. It's a legendary satin import. It's a triumph of arcade game design. It's a magnificent display of art direction and aesthetics, but it still manages to exist as something above even all of that for the people it really lands with. Hiroshi Iuchi and co made a game that isn't concerned with the fractal loop of rewarding high-tier play with greater and greater power-ups, opting instead for a set of verbs and abilities availed to the player from moment one, relying on the player's reactive instinct to learn and utilise the tools at their disposal as they see fit in any given situation. Silvergun chooses instead to emphasise player expression and agency through improvisational, on-the-fly problem-solving. The real genius of the game's forethought, however, is the way that said improvisation begins to morph into player-led efficiency training over the long term. If a given player enjoys Radiant Silvergun enough to warrant to spend the time learning and internalising its many intricacies, they will begin to develop their own routing and patterns and situational weapon applications over time, rooted in their own organic preferences and reflexes as relates to their individual play style. That's what makes the game truly marvellous in my eyes. Yeah, I haven't read this post before, but it really matches up to my experience uh, with playing the game over the last couple of weeks. Much more yeah. briefly then, in three words, from Twitter, follow us at Canaan Rince. Robin Enrico says, too many weapons. Uh, Y444 says, overcomplicated yet brilliant. Ashley Day says, still figuring out. Chris Atwill says, fantastic opening music. Ben Schwartz says, shmup RPG Chimera. Awesome Wells has... Beautiful Bullet Bonanza. And Andrew Elmore has Hiroshi Yuchi's Masterpiece. Well, this has absolutely flown by like a Radiant Silver Gun boss. And here we are at the end. Uh, so in closing, brief thoughts, a recommendation or not. And let's start with Chris. Oh, I don't like <laughs> that you've asked me to go first. It means that I'm the least that's, positive. That's the order in which we do it. You see? And I have a really bad reputation for being positive about every game I play. And I think that's because I, I can usually find plenty of positive things to say about every game. And, and Radiant Silvergun's no, mm. no different. Look, I, I, I get it. And I, I can see what people like about this game. I, the, I, I can see the wonderful design work. In fact, I can almost see genius in, in parts of it. 
Now, this game was made by a team of just 10 people. Yeah, and that, that's incredible in and of itself. For me, though, as I said earlier, if I want to experience a narrative game, I'll play a narrative game in other genres, completely my preference. If I want to experience, like Ryan said earlier, Monster Hunter mechanics, I'll go and play Monster Hunter. I come to these games for in the set for the same reason I go to a beat 'em up or I go to a racing game. It's because I want just maybe twenty minutes or half an hour of mindless fun. I like shoot 'em up games. I've been on the Parodius episode earlier this this uh, this this season, and I I've had lots of good stuff to say about that. I like the genre. I just struggled here with what the game was asking me to give it, and I just don't think I was in the headspace to give it. When I was enjoying this game the most, it was actually when I was just not playing it for the clear, which, like a lot of arcade-style games, actually can lessen the experience if you're going just to try and clear it. And that's ultimately what I did in the end. You know, I, I credit-fed to 25 credits, burned through 250 lives, Rolled the credits, sent a message to you guys on Slack, and didn't really think about it again. But the most, the 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 the, the better experiences I had with this game were those when I just actually played arcade mode and just said, right, I'm going to limit myself to three credits, three lives each, normal difficulty. Let's just see how far I can get. And that when 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 I think less about the game and just sit down and play it is when I enjoy it the most. But I can completely see here that there is so much more going on than than I appreciate. But I've spent the past few weeks playing it, and I feel like coming off the other end of that, I know more about game design now for those 15 to 20 hours, and I know more about the way developers interlace and interlock different, different mechanics and different facets of the game design, even if I didn't always enjoy playing it. Fair enough. Yeah, I'm going to be really brief to... Uh spare myself jay's ire this game possibly isn't quite on my personal epic shelf but it would be in the conversation it's a legend for a reason but you may be like chris and not actually gel with its very specific weird demanding systems one thing we haven't said throughout the entire show is what a cool name radiant silver gun is (laughs) what a cool title it's also got Merry Dogs in it, and that's my favourite thing. And um, yeah, I definitely recommend it. £10 on Xbox, £15 on Switch, or you can emulate it on Saturn. A few well. hundred quid on uh, on Saturn, or, <laughs> or a grand for a sealed copy. <laughs> um, probably worth finding out if you might be interested first. But yeah, don't just play the XBLA trial version and think that you've seen what the game has to offer because nothing could be further from the truth it gets good after 20 hours (laughs) (laughs) after you've done the tutorial for yeah Yeah. (laughs) James Uh, yeah so I said I would mention fighting games again I think uh, the best way I can wrap up my thoughts on this game are it's an analogy I came up with this week I'm about to say this in front of two people who will probably tear me apart for this this is to schmops what Street Fighter (laughs) 3 is to fighting games to me this is a game at the peak of games that came from arcades struggling to find their way onto home consoles and trying to work out how to keep the arcade mode and add a story mode. And it it, it isn't friendly to newcomers. It really isn't. It's incredibly deep, mechanically satisfying, 
when you see what this game's doing and realize no no this is this is 60 hours of playing to to even scratch the surface 20 hours to get in the door it's not what i expected to find from a shmup that's not a bad thing but if i want to put on a game to have fun with it's not going to be this game to immediately just have a quick half hour uh, fun session with it's not going to be this game it's probably not going to be street fighter 3 either this is a game mm, where i yeah. need to say right for a month this is what i play i'm going to need to break it down i'm going to need to make my mistakes get better put the time in to get the reward and it's just a big hurdle to ask players to get into so if you're listening at this point i've never played this game and it st- sounds interesting to you absolutely go for it if you think oh i'll check it out i'll give it half an hour and see how i feel honestly don't bother D- just don't mm-hmm. it's not gonna give you a half hour scratch an itch it's gonna give you a half hour kick in the teeth and then see if you want to, to spend another <laughs> 40 times that amount um i have so much respect for this game but i don't know whether tomorrow i pick this up and try and continue to beat story mode i really don't i don't at all mm. uh but i i loved spending a week getting kicked in the teeth because <laughs> yeah, that's so James <laughs> Mikhail round us off yes yeah, you know kind of building on from what I said earlier like comparing it to even uh, the uh, the big shoot 'em ups of uh, its time and then already of course a, a, a genre waning in popularity uh, I don't think Radiant Silver Gun if we compare it to the likes of uh, Beto Garega and uh, Batsugun, is necessarily a better overall designed game. Uh, but it is incredibly intricately designed and it draws from influences outside of the genre and it feels like a game that is more than just a shoot 'em up, you know? Um, yeah, over, over the last two weeks, playing it more intensely on the Saturn version eventually right before the podcast getting uh, meeting my short term goal of uh, clearing the arcade mode within the amount of credits i was able to uh, unlock uh, on the default difficulty of course you know that always gives you kind of a buzz and makes you think think quite fondly of uh, of what you've just been playing for these last couple of weeks um it is something really special this game is like uh you know Andrew Elmore really summed it up uh, summed my feelings up very very well in his uh in his breakdown um yeah just something really truly special and uh i think what what James was saying like yeah Radiant Silver Gun isn't a game you can just quickly have a blast off and and you know just play a little bit off and think you like you've seen anything uh of it of what it really means to 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 fully engage with this game and it does indeed demand your full engagement but in a way aren't those maybe the most remarkable games that ask you for the, for that full uh engagement or demand your full engagement with them you know aren't those really the games that really stand out throughout the history of uh of video games as a medium um, uh, I'm kind of inclined to think so at the moment. Nicely put. So it just remains for me, Leon, to thank Chris, James, Mikhail, Editor Jay, as well as our correspondents, and of course, as always, you for listening. Next time, in issue 575, 
Life is still strange in Life is Strange 2. <laughs>